I'm Ebony K. Williams, your attorney at law and host. Welcome to Holding Court, where we analyze the very latest legal headlines everybody's already talking about. We dig into how the courts impact the culture. We break it all down for you, and we go straight from gavel to your news feed. And I promise you this, y'all, every single week, we're going to keep it a buck, keep it 100. Right, Dustin Ross? That's right, Ebony. Let's go ahead and hold court. Let's do it. Dustin Ross, my dear, I've been waiting to talk to you. How are you? How has your really week been? And I want you to, you know, really keep it 100 here. How you feeling, friend? Yeah, yeah. First of all, thank you for giving me that that grace to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I I feel good, Ebony. I'm very happy to be back in New York, mm-hmm. uh, back amongst the land of my living, uh, where, you know, I just can kind of focus on the things that... Um, make me happy and make mm-hmm. me uh, feel good. So I'm happy to be back in that space. I, I hope that that is sufficient. And we're happy to <laughs> have you back in it, baby. Thank you. Thank you, my love. How are you doing, Ebony, besides knocking it out the park <laughs> on Roni and everything else that you touch? How are you, my love? I needed to hear that. Thank you, D. Uh, you know, I got to say in this moment, talking to you, I feel really good. Um, That's wonderful. And, but I, I will say it's um, it's like an hour by hour thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when, when uh, those of us that, that, you know, ask each other, ask our friends and loved ones, how you doing? No, yeah, fine, good. That's those right. are knee jerk responses. But I'm um, challenging myself and I'm challenging those around me to uh, really sit with that question a little deeper mm-hmm. um, and give yourself uh, permission to very various answers. Uh, so but the good news in this That's moment real. right now. Yeah. Um Right now, in this moment, knowing we're about to do the damn thing, do the the thing that I love doing really the most in my career, which is wow. producing and yeah, and and doing holding court with you. I, I say that pretty much in every interview I do. Like, I, I I'm proud of all of my work, but in terms yeah. of what I enjoy doing the most, it is this show with you, Dustin. So wow, well, you know, I, you I enjoyed this motherfucker too, Ebony. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoy it too, Ebony, and I mean it's that. Good. So yeah. that's wonderful. Good, good. So, uh, you know, last week, D, I I took some time to visit a really sacred ground, and I want to say it that way: sacred yes. ground, yeah, t- in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Greenwood District, uh, known, mm-hmm. of course, as Black Wall Street. And the good news is now, in light of the international and national documentaries and uh, yeah. think pieces, now people know what Black Wall Street is, right? Yes. People know what happened in Tulsa and they know that a thriving, beautiful, black, prosperous community full of doctors and lawyers Mm -hmm. and beauty salons and movie theaters and even Dustin schools and hospitals. I'm talking about a fully self-sufficient town, really. A whole district. Yeah. It was a little Wakanda. It sure was. It was a little beautiful Wakanda Uh, was burned to the ground. Uh, burned to the ground, bombs dropping out of the air. I mean, just the most brutal devastation you've ever seen, D. Leading, uh, they say, up to maybe even more than 300 deaths. Uh, up Jesus. to, I want to say the number was something like 10,000 black people uh, homeless and, yeah. and destitute. Uh, several thousand injuries uh, and, and an entire four block radius. People, We call it Greenwood Street, but it was a district. Yes. It was not one street. And no. I walked to the grounds, D. I saw it. It was it was a four block radius. Um, or maybe it was a four mile radius. Either way, it was a very robust mm-hmm. property, like community. Mm-hmm. And it was all devastated. And why? Because of, of white rage and white yeah. anger and white jealousy and, and white uh, resentment of that black prosperity. Uh, and what I will say that I learned on the ground that I hadn't seen in the press the narrative was like the black uh, Wall Street district was was devastated and destroyed. And that's kind of where the story ended. Right. What I'm happy to say is that the very next day, these people, Dustin, and allies that believed in what they were doing and building went about the work of rebuilding the next day. Well, one lawyer was B.C. Franklin. Um, I read about him. He had a thriving law practice and it was burned to the ground during the massacre. And the next day, uh, he was one of was one of a handful of attorneys that put up a motherfucking tent tent 
You heard the story, my yeah. G Live, and, and started practicing law and, and drafting documents of recovery and insurance claims and everything else. And, you know, that's um, Stratford. It was like a hotel, a hotelier, mm-hmm. I guess is what mm-hmm. we're calling mm-hmm. him. Um, and he ended up being the great grandfather um, of John Rogers. And today, if that name sounds familiar, that is because he is the founder and CEO of Aerial Investments, which is probably one of the biggest black private equity firms in the world um, based out of Chicago. And how did they get to Chicago? Um, It was because his great grandfather was was essentially ran out of Tulsa after the massacre. They tried to to try and convict this man. He wasn't about that life. Uh, He skipped bond and he ran to Chicago. (laughs) Okay, period. Uh, listen, he's like, I'm not, I'm not even about to play with y'all. Yeah, I thought you know, y'all had me. See ya. <laughs> another one of the lawyers, uh, Dustin, was a, a man, uh, an attorney and a hotelier by the name mm. of J.B. Stratford. And he owned the Stratford Hotel, which at the time had about 45, 50 rooms. It was the largest Black-owned hotel in the United States of America. Um, mm. and, be, and, of course, during this massacre, uh, these crazy-ass angry white mob folks and uh, with cooperation from the U.S. government. I got to put that really, out there because really. that, you know, you're not getting uh, 20, 30 planes and able to drop massive bombs on communities without some type of structural help. Um, so that was there, too. But anyways, again, this great, great man by the name of J.B. Stratford and his hotel, uh, his hotel was burned to the ground. They arrested him. Not the actual insiders of this massacre. They arrested a handful of black citizens that had the audacity to show up armed and try to stand their own ground. And they arrested uh, JB. JB said, I'm not about that life. And he got the hell out of Dodge when uh, his, his friend posted bond and he moved to Chicago. And his legacy there was to rebuild all of the splendor he had done in Greenwood. And here we are generations later, his great, great grandson, John Rogers, uh, the the financier and one of the CEO and founders of Aerial Investments, the one of the largest black private equity firms in the world. So it's just really cool mm. to, me to see that through line of, you know, and this yes. is the takeaway. You They might have burned down and destroyed the property of the Greenwood District. They did not destroy the spirit of the Greenwood community. Absolutely not. And, and year by year after year, I see an increase uh, in the visibility of the Tulsa massacre, the black massacre in Tulsa. More and more people are talking about this. More and more people are going. There's more and more awareness around this. So expose them all, educate us all. We all need to be aware of this. And it's going to be funny to see how the black wealth responds to the Mm. uptick in visibility about this. It's going to be funny to see where this goes. So I love it. I love it. I, and I think you. it's so cool that you went, Ebony. Thank you. I was just blessed to be invited to go, yeah. um, you know, and share space. And the group I went with, it was a, 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 a group of you know journalists. And, you know, we all bring our curiosities and our mm-hmm. questions. And, child, some of these uh, fellow journalists, child, you should, some of these questions on these tours. <laughs> Ooh, baby. They wore you out. E. They wore me out. <laughs> Woo, they won't be out. I just hung my God head. Damn. Just hung my head. Just because you know it. it's all right to just be quiet sometimes and oh, listen. Oh shit! It was that hilarious. option always exists. I know felt like I mean? honestly, it was like a scripted series going on within the, the <laughs> spiritual journey we were going on. I was like, these are some motherfucking characters, baby. Um, but I loved every one of them. We gonna have a little reunion coming up soon in New York, but they asked okay. was a trip. But I'm sure they said the same thing about my crazy ass. So um, <laughs> it was it was like grown ass summer camp. It was it, it was it was it was a lot of fun and very moving. Uh, speaking of uh, not having one spirit broken, uh, we're going to get into our docket. And this first story on its face, it looked kind of, you know, straightforward, maybe a little simple. But mm-hmm. because of where I am personally right now, which I'll get into, um, the story struck me. A little differently and a little deeper. So somebody who would not allow her spirit to be broken, a a sister by the name of Diamond Robinson. Mm -hmm. Um, She is a black woman, uh, resides in East Point, Michigan. Mm. Miss Diamond was fined, given a ticket for $385. That's not a cheap ticket. What for? Well, 
being a quote public nuisance. Now this all transpired, Dustin, after this was a grown ass woman who at mm-hmm. least initially was talking on her phone, her property, mm-hmm. in her yard of her home, having a phone conversation. And her neighbor ended up being a white woman new to the neighborhood told this grown ass woman standing on her property to be quiet, to either enter a conversation. <laughs> it's crazy, right? End you your conversation laugh. or lower your voice. Mm. Boy, baby, let me, I'm, just, I'm trying to get these facts out before I go in. Okay. So this happened in real life. And, uh, sister diamond, uh, Robinson was like, you know, excuse you. Uh, and actually said, get out of my face, which I feel she had every right to say. That sounds about right. I can see her saying it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then she continued about her day and her conversation. Well, lo and behold, a few minutes later, D, Popo rolls up on this woman. Of course they did. Because her neighbor had fucking called the police, okay, on this grown woman having a conversation on her own phone in her own space. And they cited her. Of course, she wasn't arrested. She wasn't doing anything that was even near arrestable. But we all know that doesn't always stop them. So thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they gave her a citation, a ticket, $385 for being a, quote, public nuisance. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Diamond Robinson had the, the wherewithal, and this is very important, y'all listening, to go ahead and take out her camera phone and start putting the whole thing on Facebook Live. Very important. Uh, because when there is that cloud of secrecy, by the time mm-hmm. you get to court, if you live to get to court, uh, people that. can say, right? People can say whatever. So the 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 documentation of that on video very important. Life saving. Life saving. Say that. Yeah. Life saving. So she records all this on Facebook Live. She let the cops know, y'all are on camera. I hope you know this is being recorded. Then she also had this to say. Miss Diamond said, I'm not doing anything wrong by walking up and down the street talking on my phone. I get a ticket for being a public nuisance because I'm talking too loud on my phone, she says. That's why I got a ticket. There's no way police should be called on me when I'm on my own property in my own neighborhood on my own block. Um, mm. Of course, it's insane. She She's going to go to court. She's going to fight this ticket. I, I actually legally suspect she will be victorious because it's a bullshit charge. Mm-hmm. It's very, very silly, and it's a waste of taxpayers' time. So every taxpayer in that district should be mad as hell at this stupid-ass, caring-ass neighbor who is wasting, literally, this is real. People don't talk about this enough. When you just pick up the phone willy-nilly on some stupid-ass shit like this or Amy Cooper or all these dumb-ass people calling uh-huh. cops on black people for no reason, those are the tax dollars of every citizen in that community, including mm-hmm. white citizens, being wasted. Hours and hours of police time, court time, judges' time, district attorney's time, wasted on trying to police blackness Yeah, because that's yeah. what you're doing. Uh, Ebony, you know I'm from Michigan, right? And yes. East Point is uh, it's a northern, a northeastern. It literally borders Detroit on the northern border of Detroit, um, on the east side. And just a little history: it's a very, very, very racist area in Michigan, mm. in the Detroit metropolitan area. Back in 1992, it used to be called East Detroit, and they voted to change the name because they wanted to separate. Oh, they didn't want to be Detroit no. adjacent. Yes. And in fact, if you want to take it a step further, back in 2017, the United States Department of Justice, okay, filed a federal lawsuit against the mayor, city clerk and manager, and all four members of the city council saying that uh, the the citywide voting method, they had like these four year terms for city council members and the way that they that they voted the United States Department of Justice found to be racist because they were voting along these racial lines. Um, so this has been a place that has- You better a, um, read them for filth, by the way. Yeah, so yeah, I want yeah, y'all yeah. to understand what Dustin Ross just brought out the whole motherfucking Department of Justice. Yeah. If y'all don't understand what he just did there, press Ryan white right quick, okay? On whatever <laughs> because platform, because have. that's important. What you yeah. just did there. Yeah. Ebony, we have to have, we have to have a, a clear POV on exactly what we're dealing with here because there's yeah. so many stories that we get, you know, blasted with every day, every mm-hmm. week, where mm-hmm. shit like this goes down. But this is indicative of a really nasty pattern of behavior. I personally have been pulled over by the cops for just riding and being black, driving through East Point. So this is not news to me. This mm-hmm. is typically on brand for the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, now there's more visibility. So we're getting a different response and a different level of accountability. So I want to see where this goes. I hope she literally takes this as far as she can. And not only just get the fine removed, but get some action, you know, taking place on this. So 
Indeed, because it's 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 bigger than just this citation. And, yes. and for all the reasons you pointed out, and again, I want to say how important what you just did there in your analysis, because you're not talking about this is how I feel or this is what I think. What you're doing is you are <clears throat> calling upon data points yep. collected by our own federal government to unequivocally indict systemic long-term racial patterns a flat-out anti-black racism. Bingo. Period. Bingo. Duh. Period. Duh. Yep. Um, so there's been tons of, of just just racial discrimination related to like the elections and, and different shit like that. Housing, all of that in each. And it's point. all connected. And it's yes. all connected. Um. So again, this this hit me different this week, particularly Dustin, because mm-hmm. you know the the recent episodes of Real Housewives of New York has this same practice yeah these recent episodes of real housewives of new york have dealt with this exact issue dustin it's the same issue in a different format but the same underlying issue and the issue is this and it's no less or more complicated than how i'm about to break it down to you right now this is the systemic deeply practice experience of white women white women, in particular white women, going about the business of trying to police the thoughts, the actions, and the vernacular, the very vernacular, the words in which we speak and how we speak them, of black women. It's been going on since we landed on the shores in 1619, okay? Mm. Put a pin in that. We're going to get back to it later in the show. Mm. And it goes on today. And in this recent episode of Roni, now I'm going back a week ago, you see it start. You're going to see if, I'm not going to say it's going to finish because Charlie ain't going to finish their way late in the motherfucking season. Stay tuned. Mm. But there's a two episode arc here where in the first episode, we're all having lunch, brunch at Luann Delaseps' house in Sag Harbor. Mm -hmm. And Leah's doing a lot by way of, you know, she's going through a lot. She's upset. Her and Ramona are into it again about this notion of talking about sex, whatever. L- Leah cusses them all out, calls them all hoes, and then leaves. Okay, mm-hmm. she's upset. She's grieving the loss of her grandmother. As am I. Put a pin in that. We'll get back mm-hmm. to it. Um, and I know you know about it, Dustin. So put a pin there. So Leah leaves. I'm left with the ladies. And Luann starts to make this argument that... That the reason Leah speaks that way, so crassly, so vulgar, is a lack of education. And I say, well, <laughs> it can't be about a lack of education because I say whatever the fuck I want. I, I can use an SAT word on your ass and I could use a cuss word on your ass and I can say, dick, whatever I want to say because yeah. I'm grown. Right. And it can't be about education, Luann, because I am the most educated woman here and what did i say that for all hell broke loose y'all saw the episode if you haven't seen it go watch the clips online um and it's a mess and this woman then proceeds dustin as you know to then say that i am an i am angry i am an angry woman she proceeds to say something about me being in her face and uh insinuating that i am being aggressive of some sort um when all I am doing is stating my truth, which is that you are creating a false equivalency and you are really shaming this sexually free woman, Leah McSweeney, mm-hmm. and you're trying to use education to do it. And in the words of the great Ayan aunt, not on my watch. I know that's right. E. Not on my watch. Will you do that? Because you're fucking wrong. Yeah. Um, and then what ends up happening is, again, I'm. Why are you so angry? You're an angry woman right now. She's very perturbed. Um, and it, it accumulates with her saying basically that I should leave her house. And as, I, as she says I should leave her house, and I didn't even catch this because this happened months ago, of course. And yeah. so much was happening and so much was being thrown at me, uh, including at some point Ramona Singer covering up her ears and starting this um, up screeching uh, cry-like sound. My ears, my ears. Oh. And, that, and I, I had to just in that moment call a thing a thing. And I say to Ramona, your white fragility is killing me right now. 
Because that's what that is, sis. Mm-hmm. Because not two seconds ago, you were standing up, pounding this table, talking about you don't like this word, that word, this word, that word. Leah McSweeney just cussed y'all all out to your faces, called you all hoes mm-hmm. down the road and left. And no one called her angry. You don't call yourself angry. And I'm angry? Stop. Yeah. It's white fragility. You don't want to hear what I speak about. And you use your, you invoke that white tear. You yeah. invoke that white screech. That white tear and that white screech, which we know, Dustin, has gotten people that look like us fucking killed. Literally. That white woman fragility is a dangerous weapon. And they know it and they call upon it. Um, so all that to say, it was so much going on that I didn't even catch some of what was being said in the moment till I watched the episode back. Mm. So I'm watching the episode and now I've seen that episode, gosh, five or six times. And every time I see it, I see some new shit and I'd be Mm -hmm. writing this shit down too. Mm -hmm. So when I'm leaving, because I at least respect this woman enough to, to respect her peace on her property, which is more than I can say for most people. Yeah. I'm leaving this woman's house and she says to me, Dustin, I hope you go and think about how you've made us all feel here today. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to leave it there. But I, again, I want to just correlate what, what I experienced and what you will see further in the following episode, which is the fallout of that. Moment. I don't even know. Moment. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm like, well, who child? What to call it? Moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a correlation of what I experienced and what Miss Diamond experienced uh, at in in Michigan, which is this righteous indignation mm-hmm. of white people and white women in this scenario to really feel totally empowered as an authority of to black tonality, black vernacular, and black existence. And all of the mechanisms, in this case of Sister Diamond, including law enforcement, mm-hmm. to reinforce that. So just, y'all, just be tuned in. Be tuned in. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Tune into <laughs> these episodes. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't normally watch Re- Re- Housewives or reality, it's something different going on this season. Would you agree? And I know you are a staunch um, viewer of Real Housewives, Dustin, way before my era. Um, you also are a cultural critic and you break this work down. You interview these these women. Uh, what is your analysis? And we haven't really talked about that this much. This season of Roni is no. different to me. What does it look like for you? Um, first of all, I think that what we're witnessing is an incredible, it's, it's almost like we could, we could, uh, deem your time on this show as a breakthrough performance of sorts, right? Because you are forcing these women in this show and in, in turn the viewership to really challenge and confront some hard truths about themselves, mm. um, with, with your help and really on your back. So the load that you're carrying, the responsibility that you're taking on when you attempt to educate these women, these hopeless ass women, okay, mm-hmm. we'll call them that. When you when you take that, uh, when you make that choice to try to educate them and, and provide a service to the world and to these viewers and to the Bravo audience, that's a lot. And so if you needed to take a break last week while everybody figured out how they felt about what they watched on television, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as how I felt as a viewer watching that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I was enraged. I -hmm. felt like you were by yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt like you were fighting against many, many people on your own. Mm -hmm. And I know how tough and strong and well-equipped you are. There couldn't be a better person to be in this this peculiar circumstance, right? Mm -hmm. Because I know that you're ready and you have the tools to not only defend yourself, but to provide, to, to, move the needle forward mm. in doing so. This isn't about an argument. Right. This isn't about insulting them. Cause sure. Okay. Yeah, that's easy. Argument with yeah. Luann, you could easily call her, uh, you know, her uh, journey and eighties uh, uh, air supply band looking ass. You could call her so many things, you know, but we haven't yeah. done that. Easy. We don't even easy. have to do that. That's easy. Yeah. You'd rather do the work. And so Ebony, I just, my hat, you know, I take my hat off to you um, in public and in private. Um, I'm so proud of you. And you are really helping the world by what you're presenting to the world in these moments, these crazy moments where people could really lose their cool and you don't. 
not for the sake of, of not losing it so that she can't say you're angry. The bitch said that anyway. Mm-hmm. But you keep yourself composed and poised so that you can be clearly understood mm-hmm. and people can know what's mm-hmm. going on. And that's mm-hmm. just it's priceless, Ebony. So I'm oh. really proud of you, friend. I'm very Thank you, proud my of you. love. Thank you, my love. And and it's what you just said there. It is it is a responsibility that I assumed yeah. and had to assume if I was gonna at all be credible to yes. myself and to my community as a black woman in this space. It is an enormous privilege that I have to do so. And and in every interview I gave before this started airing, that's mm-hmm. what I said, right? And I hope sure now is. people are seeing what I'm talking about. This is not about just throwing together a, a, a beautiful look, um, no. although I do take pride in that too, um, <laughs> <laughs> to be clear. To be clear, um, or or any of the other things that you expect on a housewife, a glamorous, it's, it's not just showing those things. It's showing what you just said, Dustin, which is a clear and articulable communication mm-hmm. of who I am, what I'm about, what I mean, what I think, and what I feel, and refusing, utterly, mm-hmm. if, utterly refusing for a miscategorization of any of those things yeah. by any of these women. It is an insistence upon, I don't give a fuck about being liked, not just by these women, but by anybody in society. That is not my job. My job is to make sure that I am fully heard, seen, so that the next young girl, the next young boy, the next young non-binary individual who is Mm -hmm. trying to find their way in this world, Dustin, Mm -hmm who is constantly being policed around what they fucking say, look like, how they show up in a space, constantly being assigned a positioning in society that says you must, Diamond, speak the way I want you to or end your call. The fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. I'm on my own damn phone in front of my own damn house. This bitch, my neighbor, bring her ass over here talking about I'm talking too loud. Bitch, you're talking too much. You shouldn't be talking to me at all. How about that? So that's what this is really about. It's very deep. It's very deep. And it's and it, it is so important that there are examples for people to look to and see. You don't have to take this bullshit. You don't no. like how I say it. You don't like what I'm saying, because that's really normally what it's really about. And it's it comes in the cloak of, oh, it's your tone. It's your this. No, you don't like the words. You don't like the truth. And because you don't like it, you will attempt over and over again to silence me. Miss Diamond was attempted to being silenced. What yeah. you saw in that episode of Roni, and you'll see it again later on this season, attempts to silence me. I will not be silenced. Won't happen. Won't happen. It will not happen. You got the right one. And when I say you got the right one, you got the wrong one, bitch. No, just That's playing. Right. Um, <laughs> so let me, um, let me go on before I get myself in assistance to some That's trouble. That's okay. That's okay. But, um... But thank you. And I do really implore everybody listening right now to tune in to this this season because it's something different happening on The Real Housewives of New yes. York. And it's a deeper thing and it's a more important thing. And it's, yeah. a, it, it's a really valuable opportunity, I think, for all of us um, to grow and to have some really important conversations. All right. We're going to take a couple uh, minutes to go and pay some bills, y'all. Very, very important as well. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to keep talking about these notions of policing blackness and this time as you might expect it's in the NFL because the mm-hmm. NFL gonna always NFL mm-hmm. um, so we'll be back with much more holding court in a minute alright y'all welcome back to holding court uh, as promised we're gonna stay on this issue of, of, of liberating blackness this time it's within the NFL now Dustin let me start with this. Did, okay, this 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 phrase is called race norming. The story mm. is this. The NFL has recently pledged, and when I say recent, I'm talking about a matter of a week, week and a half ago, just now coming out in 2021 saying we are going to stop the practice of race norming. Now, if anybody is wondering what the fuck race norming is, let me tell you in a very simple nutshell. Yeah. Race norming is a practice, Dustin, and it's not just done by the NFL, by the way, but in this context, that's what we're talking about, the NFL's practicing of race norming. Specifically in in this scenario of, I'm sure many of y'all have heard, the NFL is finally acknowledging the cognitive 
damage that is done by the game itself, uh, right? CTE, um, early mm-hmm. onset, Alzheimer's, early onset, dementia, mm-hmm. all of these horrendous outcomes that that are inevitable, really, to the league's players. And that's all of its players of all races. Where race comes in, two parts. Number one, we know the NFL is disproportionately black, right, player-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to be confused with front office positions like owners and GMs. Those are disproportionately mm-hmm. white. Just had to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got about 70% of black bodies on that field, Dustin, that are black. Yeah. When it comes to, finally, the NFL showing any kind of financial responsibility, fiscal responsibility to the harm done because of the physical contact of the game and compensating these former players in their retirement is they are now having to deal with the repercussions of playing football. Again, early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, all kinds of, co- you know, really serious uh, health yeah. crises. That really they, serious. That, that the, very serious that the players and their families, their wives, their children, their families have to deal with. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's expensive. So, because you know, doctors, treatments, clinical trials, all these things. So because of that, long story short, the NFL has started to pay out settlements of sorts. Average settlements, just to put some numbers on this. Just to put some numbers on this, average settlements are around $516,000 for the 379 players who have uh, been deemed to have early stage dementia. And then when you uh, advance that to a moderate stage of dementia, those players are receiving about $715,000. And it's about two. That's about $35, girl. I know, that ain't ain't shit. It it ain't shit. But let me tell you what is even further not shit, D. Mm -hmm. Even those little ass settlements have been denied. And here's this, here's where this um race norming comes in, right? This fucking race norming comes in. Those little bitty settlements have been denied to several black players. And here's the rationale. They have filed their claim to get their little bit of money like everybody else. And the NFL has said, oh no, you do not qualify. Because we decide who qualifies for these little chump change ass settlements based off of a calculation. And in that calculation that we, the NFL, control, we assign certain numbers to certain things. And one of those things that gets a number is your race. And that race number is dependent on this here. This is going to blow some people's minds. It is dependent on the fact that there is a medical presumption, a scientific presumption made by this process that says that black Players in the NFL are starting at a baseline level of cognitive inferiority. Let me say it again. Uh, Cognitive inferiority. Um, (laughs) Mental incapacity. Mental incapacity. This is what it says, Dustin. Uh, A lack of natural intelligence. That Are you fucking, this is the language? I mean, I don't know if they said it as precisely as I'm saying it, but 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 some of this, yes, the cognitive part. Oh, my God. Oh, man. yes, that's straight from their playbook, okay? Oh, my God. Where they are saying that black players have reduced levels of cognitive, intelligence, all of these things. So, therefore, when they measure them at the end of their NFL career, the gap between where they quote should be and where they actually are is smaller than the gap between where they would assess a white player or a non-black player and the black player at the beginning and end of his career. And so because they have this predisposition of cognitive inferiority, they don't qualify. Literal. Literally. Literal systemic racism. Literally. I really want people to sit with this because I don't really think a lot of people understand what this really means. This is this is put now in black and white. It a widely accepted practice for years. And they actually now, Dustin, had the audacity to say it. And the only reason most of us now know that it's been said and going on is because in May of 2021, right now in this moment, 
the NFL is saying, you know what, we probably shouldn't even be doing that no more. Uh, you think? You know, y'all pay attention, pay attention, and going back to Roni, because see, all of this shit, everything we are talking about this episode, yeah. from top to bottom, is all fucking connected, y'all. Yeah. Let me connect They're these dots for you right other. quick. Yeah. This notion of a pre- a presumption of a lack of black intelligence. This presumption of a lack of black cognitive ability, our ability to think, create, execute, imagine, um, analyze, digest, all of the things that are, are, are um, about this notion of intelligentsia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. are stripped of us at our onset, and it's a part of the stripping of our humanity. It is the very thing, D. Ross, that allowed for white folk back in the 1600s and even before to say the black body is only good for physical labor. Yeah. So we will enslave these bodies, these brutes, and we will do them the favor of giving them something to do, like going to build our country under the most brutal system of chattel slavery ever known to mankind. And we will do it and we're allowed to do it because they are not capable of Norman, normal human intelligence. Wow, that's really and they, what it and is. That's what it is. Hence, Nicole's 1619 Project. Yeah. Okay? And they don't want us to know the truth about it. And that's why we're going to get to the next story in a minute. Yeah. Also, this widely accepted, although not widely spoken about, but widely accepted undercurrent, in our American society that defaults to a lack of black intelligence, a lack of black cognitive ability, a lack of black ability to think intellectually and formally is probably why my castmate became so enraged, outraged, when I simply stated the fact that I am the most educated one here. Again, the fact that because I have a doctorate. I have a terminal degree. Doesn't make me better than anybody. Doesn't make me more intelligent even than anybody. But it's more than what they have, which is what the conversation was about. Which is what the conversation was about. Yeah. Ma'am, you articulated a position that says education is the threshold. Okay, cool. So according but if to education, that- Right, but if education is the threshold... We now have to apply that threshold equally amongst those of us in this conversation. And there was no question around the only individual at the table with anything past a, uh, 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 a, a bachelor's degree, which is an yeah. entry-level college credential. And yeah. it's a wonderful and a very important degree to have. A but beautiful accomplishment. Yeah. Excellent. At any age, by the way. Yeah. I was just yeah. doing some cameos um, for a young, a young lady at the age of, uh, of, of 56 mm-hmm. getting her bachelor's degree. That's Powerful. Right. Life-changing. Right. It's never fucking too late to go about doing what, the, what you want to do around your professional and academic achievement. So it ain't about that. And I won't allow anybody, Dustin, to make the narrative about that. No. It is about... These white women, some of these white women, feeling a way that I had the audacity to defy the narrative that says black people are not capable of a higher level of learning. That's what it's about. Quite simply, quite simply put, that's exactly what it's about, Ebony. Um, And. Once again, you know, people are being given the opportunity to show their true colors, and that's exactly what they're doing. There was nothing for your castmates to defend against what you said. There was nothing that should have made them feel personally challenged or attacked. But naturally, they did, and it's because of all of the deep-seated things Mm -hmm. that lie beneath the surface in them all. And so that's just where we are. It's it's the the, the, the best kind of exposing to be done, because now you know who you're dealing with. Exactly. And mm-hmm. isn't, that, isn't that always better? But yeah, but, but, but going back to the NFL of it all, it, it, it is really important that we pay attention to 
the NFL telling on itself right now, right? And oh, then telling sure. on themselves saying, you know what, we, we are, we're making a pledge to stop the practice of race norming, which is really the practice of subscribing uh, a default presumption of a lack of black cognitive ability and intelligence. We're going to stop that, which means we've been doing it all this time. And if the NFL has been doing shit like that, please know they're not the only ones. They might be one of the only ones crazy enough to codify the shit, put it in writing, put it in a, a applied practice where we can now go see it. Right. But know that right. that thinking, like you just said, Dustin, that deep-seated sentiment, it's out there. I just want all of y'all listening to this conversation right now to really sit with what we are dealing with as a people. So that way, when we go out into the world, D, we already know how to bring it. And, and this is something that black people have done since the beginning of time. I saw it in Tulsa. You know, we know how to, how to work twice as hard for half as much. Yeah. But now, because we're blessed to sit on the shoulders of the great ancestors who have done so much with even less than we have, that's why the back end of my tagline is now I'm coming for everything. Because that's how right. could I not? How can I not? How could any of us not? That's right. We have to. It's a responsibility at this it's point. It's a responsibility. It's a responsibility. Yeah. Um, speaking of responsibility, the NFL is 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 pure trash um, in so many ways for so many different things. Um, but but this really being at, towards the top of the list. Um, and I really just wish that every black man who has ever played this game um, that is currently battling with or might in the future, because that's the thing about a lot of this. CTE, dementia, Alzheimer's, and other uh, medical conditions that arise as a result of playing um, this contact sport, a lot of it doesn't show up till much, much later in life. Um, and I hope that all of these brothers and their families, their wives, and I want to say shout out to the wives, because a lot of these men, specifically uh, former Washington team running back Ken Jenkins, he gives much love and credit to his wife, Amy Lewis, and many, many other wives of players uh, by saying this. If it wasn't for the wives who were infuriated by all of the red tape involved, this would have never come to be. Um, so shout out to, to the wives of these players, Dustin, who have put this issue on their backs and yes. done the work of opening up uh, the truth. And that's all this shit is about from... Sister Diamond in the first story on the docket to now mm -hmm. this race storming bullshit in the NFL and the wives and the players and all of the the the, the entities that are fighting for the truth to be um, revealed so that we can and we can deal with the reconciliation. Right. Yes. So much yes. of of this moment, even when Biden was elected and Sora Kamala uh, and all these. Let's get to unity in this country coming up off the Capitol uh, insurgent, which was just another white, angry mom, not particularly different from the one we saw in Tulsa. OK. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK. All of that call to unity. That's a call of reconciliation. But guess what? We can never get to reconciliation D, without first getting to truth. We must start with the truth. The truth that the National Football League has been literally discounting black cognitive ability so from much so media. from the beginning, yeah. so much so that black men deserving of financial support because of the ailments they now and will forever suffer because they played the game and their white brothers that played alongside them got relief. Wow. But the black ones don't because the league has systematically and openly said, we don't believe you even started the same fucking cognitive point as a white man. Yeah. They said it, Dustin. Said it. They meant it. And <sighs> they applied it and acted like it. And are only going to stop today. So y'all know what time it is. If y'all don't see this shit for what it is, I don't know what to tell you. But just really know that we have to insist upon the truth of our experience in this country to be told. And that leads us to our last story um, on this docket. And that's what we're going to get to when we come back from break. We have a lot more of Holden Court. Stay with us. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Holden Court. Uh, now, we've talked about this story before. But it's gotten a lot of development, so we needed to update y'all. This is around uh, the truth teller, journalist extraordinaire, Pulitzer Prize winning. That's right. Okay. 
scholar and academic uh, journalist, rather, Nicole Hannah-Jones. Nicole Hannah-Jones has now started some legal action. She has formed a legal team. Uh, Her legal team is the NAACP uh, Legal Defense Fund, historic in nature for all of the success they have had from integrating schools and, and so on. Nicole Hannah-Jones and her lawyers are now making legal demands of my alma mater, her alma mater, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. This is what's happened, Dee. She's basically given them an ultimatum. She initially said that they had until last Friday to offer her tenure, which she initially was offered. And I remember... After we wrapped, I was like, damn, I forgot to make a really good, important point when we told this, uh, we talked about this story the first time. Mm-hmm. Nicole Hannah-Jones did not go to UNC asking for a job nor tenure. UNC came to her. That and that's important. What? UNC came to Nicole Hannah-Jones asking, shit, probably begging this woman to come to our school our institution of higher learning, the first public university in the United States of America, okay? They wanted her to be the chair, a night chair in the, in the journalism school on campus where she was the investigative journalist at the highest level. And as a part of being the night chair, Dustin, it is routine practice. Every last night chair ever has been simultaneously offered tenure with that positioning, UNC came to Nicole Hannah-Jones with an offer that said, we invite you to join our university's faculty. We invite you to join in the night chair investigative journalist capacity. And we invite you to be fully tenured upon the onset of your arrival at our school. Mm. That was what was offered to this woman without her asking for a motherfucking thing. They came to her. They came to her and that's important. Okay. Then as she originally accepted that offer, was in the process of transitioning to her role, which is supposed to be starting this month. I mean, this is not a long time away. This is right now, this summer, because the kids are coming to school in August, okay? So she has to go about this work of getting ready to teach at the highest level of institution right now. As she's doing that, D, here comes UNC uh, backpedaling, if if you will, reneging, if you will, and say, actually, never mind. We're gonna we're going to take back the tenure offer, and instead, you are going to only get a five year contract term at which to be reevaluated for tenure at the end of five years. Never happened to a night chair before her. Never. Terrible. And even this bullshit claim that the board of trustees, because this is called from the board of trustees, because to be clear, the chancellor of UNC supports this woman's tenure. The School of Journalism chair supports this woman's tenure. All of the faculty members that have spoken about the issue support this woman's tenure because that's the only way it made it to the Board of Trustees for a vote to begin with. And it was that racist ass, politically uh, right wing, white supremacist based uh, Board of Trustees, probably with the huge persuasion of a mega donor coming from our school, a man by the name of Walter Hussman Jr. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's an extremely wealthy man uh, from an extremely wealthy family, probably got most of their wealth off the back of slavery. Just saying. Um, And he, the school of journalism, by the way, is named after him. So that that lets you know what kind of money he's talking about. I want to say he gave the school of journalism $25 million. So that's the kind of money we're talking about. And we all know money buys influence. So here he go. Here he goes talking about, um, he doesn't want UNC. I'm, this is a direct quote, D. I worry about the controversy of tying the UNC journalism school to the 1619 project. Oh, really? You worried about that shit? You worry about it. <laughs> he goes on to say this. I find myself more in agreement with Pulitzer Prize winning historians like James McPherson and Gordon Wood than I do Nicole Hannah Jones. End quote. Well, of course your motherfucking ass do. But guess what you can't take away from this woman? is the value of her Pulitzer. See what he tried to do there? I sure so, do. So, so does a Pulitzer have value or does it not, Mr. Hussman? Because very, very, whether, very clear. W- right? W- whether you like it or not, whether you see yourself in her work or not, just like James McPherson, who apparently you agree with, just like Gordon Wood, who apparently you agree with, whether you like it or not, Mr. Hussman, Nicole Hannah-Jones has a motherfucking Pulitzer too. Period. 
period. And then this argument, uh, Dustin, that the board of trustees tried to make after the fact, after they were called to, to out and read for filth by the entire public nation, is that, oh, well, we're rejecting her tenure because she doesn't have a traditional academic background. She's not a PhD. She's not at this. Guess what? None, exactly zero of the previous night shareholders in the School of Journalism at UNC have those academic backgrounds. That's that's actually entirely kind of the point of the chair. The yeah. chair is reserved for practicing professionals, not the ivory tower academics that God bless them, but really spend their entire careers on campuses. Do, writing white papers. That's great. That's good. But I can tell you as a student, Dustin, that walked the campuses of UNC many, many years ago, it was the people that did the work in the trenches that also deeply impacted my purview, my ability to have deep cognitive thought and questioning. It is people like Nicole Hannah-Jones who has done the work um, in the highest levels of journalism in her profession. She's a brilliant professional. And if we don't value that as a school, as an academic community, what are we saying about our students? Yeah. You know, so it's a bunch of bullshit uh, from a legal perspective. Uh, Nicole has threatened to file a federal lawsuit. That will be the next step. What is happening right now in real time, though, and this literally just happened a handful of days ago, a handful of days ago. Mm-hmm. UNC is an active talks, probably some type of negotiation with Nicole Hannah Jones's legal team. Uh, as they try to figure out this thing, because this is not going to end well for UNC either way, because or, no. or, or at least until they do right by this woman. How do we know that? How do we know that? Well, it was just broken uh, a breaking headline just early last week. UNC is already losing important academics. UNC had been courting for two years a brilliant, brilliant black chemist by the name of Lisa Jones. This woman is a biochemist. UNC's chemistry department is white as hell, like most mm-hmm. schools. We mm-hmm. desperately need the brilliance of Sister Lisa Jones, a very prominent biochemist. And after years of courting, two years to be exact, Sister Jones turned my alma mater down, Dustin. She said this in quote, the news this week that Nicole Hannah-Jones was denied tenure was very disheartening. It does not seem in line with the school that says it is invested in diversity. Although I know this decision may not reflect the view of the school's faculty, I will say that I cannot see myself accepting a position at a university where this decision stands. I appreciate all of the effort you have put in trying to recruit me, but for this, but for me, this is hard to overlook. End quote from Lisa Jones. Great for her. And I'm glad she did it. I'm sad for my university and I'm sad for all of the students that will now be deprived of this woman's genius. That's right. But I I, I cannot say I I don't understand how as a black academic professional woman, you you would look at an institution, see them devaluing and mistreating another black woman and say, let me pack up my shit and go too. Why would you do that? Yeah. I know I know I've done this and I'm sure I know you've probably had to do it in your career, Dustin. Mm Hasn't there ever been someone that has offered you a position in media or or network or this or that, whatever? And it it looks okay, But then you're like, damn, you fucked up how you dealt with so and so. So why should I believe that there's any chance that you would know what to do with me as a talent? Absolutely. As a producer or as a writer. Absolutely. Those are the, the moments where you save yourself. That's what right. happens. So yes, that is happening. It's going to continue to happen. Yeah. 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 Just know that. Yeah. Y'all networks, um, academic institutions, banks, businesses, For whatever sure. your entity is, know that we are looking at you. Okay. All of the black talent that you may one day wish to retain, we're all fucking looking at how you move it, especially right now. And if you move it fucked up, the way UNC Chapel Hill is moving all the way fucked up right now in this situation. And they really, I can't even believe they letting this shit go on this long, Dustin. Right. If they don't shut the fuck up, give this woman her tenure and really a big ass bonus for yeah. the hardship and wasting her motherfucking time after this woman didn't even come to you asking for no job. She was doing quite fine. You came to her 
Why? Because you recognize your students, recognize your faculty, recognize the brilliance of her journalism. And not for nothing, let's just tell the truth and shame the devil, Dustin Ross. Y'all wanted to ride the coattails. Y'all wanted, can we we just tell the truth? Y'all wanted to ride the coattails of this woman's celebrity, okay? Because she has done something very difficult, which is transition as a high-performing journalist into a full-on cultural celebrity. And UNC wanted a part of it. They wanted to be attached. They wanted that alignment. Uh, And now, when the shit got too hot, and she told too much truth to people that really didn't want to hear it, like Wasserman. Now y'all scrambling. Y'all acting confused. Y'all acting like you don't know what to do. If y'all don't call up the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, offer this woman her fully stated tenure, effective immediately, with some back pay bonus for yes. putting her through this bullshit, and a formal apology from the board of trustees to the entire student body and Nicole herself, y'all gonna be losing a lot more than Miss Lisa Jones They've already the chemistry department. The legacy of the school, which is, is so crazy because Wasserman, I believe that's his name, right, Ebony? Yep. Mm-hmm. He was the one who said that he didn't want to align it with the views of the 1619 Project, right? Correct. But look at what he's doing. The work, what he's doing is damaging the legacy of the school 10 times more than any alignment with something that's right and just in the first place would do in the eyes of him and his uh, colleagues, I guess. This is crazy, Ebony. And it's crazy. It's, it's crazy, Dustin, that we're seeing in real time how far one individual, a collection of individuals, and now at this point, an entire university, one of the biggest in the yeah. country, will go to silence the truth. It's the same thing that was happening in the NFL. It's the same thing happening to Sister Diamond. The, 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 the gravity in which people will go to stop hearing some shit and they don't want to hear. And oh, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and to me too, you know, but yeah. I got something for their ass. Don't worry about it. Don't worry That's about it. Um, <laughs> but, but, but it goes to show you how far people will go, Dustin, to not hear the truth because that is what this is about. You don't have to like Nicole Hannah-Jones. You don't have to uh, even agree with her. But to try to silence the mere ponder, the mere questioning of our national origin as it relates to how chattel slavery began, how it transpired, and how its effects continue to this day. If you don't want to tell the truth about that, the truth ain't in you, and how dare you call yourself a patriot. Yeah. Because, but because the, 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 the lack of, of commitment to tell the truth about who we are as a nation, good, bad, and ugly, so that we get to this place of reconciliation, unity, and next year, and a new era of American life, if you're not committed to that, you don't give a fuck about America, if you ask me. What you, what you are married to and what you are committed to is a false narrative that continues around white supremacy. And that's, 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 that's the opposite of patriotism. So UNC, act like you got some act right. I got to tell you right now, not for nothing. I'm so glad I didn't wait on UNC paraphernalia during uh, Roni taping. Uh, they, was, they was acting funny style anyways, not wanting to clear the shit. So you know what? That's what your ass get. You know, you're not repped. But shout out to Loyola Law, who pulled all the way up, repped at the highest level, and really have actually embraced me as an alum. I serve on the university's president's board and committee, Dustin. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very close with the school's chief diversity officer, who actually allowed me to facilitate uh, some fantastic students, one of whom now is my brand new executive assistant. So, So, yeah, so UNC... It's going to be a lot more casualties than just uh, sister chemist uh, Lisa Jones. That's Y'all right. going to have a lot of us black alumni out here fucked up. That's so right. don't, don't do it to yourselves. Yeah. Don't do it to yourselves. Um, all right. With that, thank y'all. Love y'all. Thanks for indulging me uh, this episode, Dustin. Yes. Um, I just had some shit I had to get off my chest. And it's the place to do it. Having to talk your shit. I had to talk a little shit today. Uh, jurors, thank you. Thank y'all so much, as always, for listening. Follow us. Subscribe. Give us uh, ratings. Uh, write reviews. Dustin and I do read them. We're so yes. um, empowered by your feedback. Uh, and it really informs how we produce this show and how we do this show. So make sure you continue to do that and get the word out. Holding Court comes to you from Uppity Productions in association with Dossie Media and presented by the Black Effect Network from iHeartRadio. Audio services always fantastically provided by One of One Productions. Y'all make sure you check them out. That's, those are people. They hold us down each and every week. Check them out at oneofoneproductions.com. Y'all, we're going to see you next week when court is back in session. And in the meantime, please... 
just keep the faith, y'all. Pay attention. Keep your eyes open. Keep speaking your truth. Do not allow anybody and any mechanism to silence you and your truthful experience. And what you want the people to do each and every week, Dustin? Read your terms and conditions and check that white fragility at every time. Check it. Check it on site. Call Thank a thing you. a thing, as Sister Ayanla says. Mm-hmm. I love it. I miss Ayanla already, as you can tell. Me too. She can come on back, but that's another episode for another time. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot more people need to get their life fixed. So. Yes, they do. Yes, they come do. Come on back when you're ready, Ayanla. We miss you.